This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fans, welcome to an emergency edition of the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. What day is it? It's Tuesday. Yes. We have some breaking news. We got, we do this. Breaking news with USC signing the number one player from the NCAA transfer portal, Caleb Williams, a quarterback formerly of Oklahoma, reunited with Lincoln Riley. The news just broke today. Been waiting on this for mm, weeks, maybe a month or so. And we're going to do an emergency podcast with Shotgun Spratling and Chris Trevino, all from the uscfootball.com family. If you guys have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or call or text us at 424-254-9141. And don't forget, if you're on the Apple Podcasting app, please follow the Peristyle Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We really appreciate that. It helps grow the show. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating now there as well. So they just added that recently, but... Want to jump into everything and, and welcome our guest first, uh, Shotgun Spratling. I mean, these guys are normally on the Family Feud podcast, but since Keely, you are left us right before <laughs> these huge news, we're kind of have our own version of it. I know I'm not as young and hip like Keely, but Shotgun, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. I actually uh, just woke up. I went to bed super late last night, so I got about three hours of sleep, and then I was a- awakened by just a a torrent, I would say, a buzzing of my phone, sound off, but the vibration was on, and I could just hear it, uh, you know, buzzing on the nightstand. And I was like, before I even opened my eyes and actually fully reached over, I'm like, I feel like this is Caleb Williams. I feel like that's the only thing that would be blowing my phone up like this. And sure enough, that was the case. Uh, from the the text of everyone sitting in to just the notifications and everything, obviously. Everyone is super excited in USC land right now to, to finally have Caleb Williams on board. Uh, and uh, we'll see where this goes from here because they, they will continue to build around Caleb Williams now. Yeah, for sure. And then we also have Chris Trevino on here, uh, no longer cousin of the pod. You're just a full-on member right from the very go with us, with, with me, uh, Chris. I don't want to be cruel, but uh, thanks for coming on, man. How are you? I should have joined this podcast years ago if that was the case. There's no application <laughs> process, no stressful waiting no late nights crying. That This is great. I, I feel rejuvenated. Um, but yeah, I'm actually in the DMV right now. I've been reporting here on the Caleb Williams fiasco ongoing saga for the what feels like three years. I think there's a huge sense of relief uh, that everyone from fans and media that it's finally over. Um, and I'm a little insulted you said reunited with Lincoln Riley and not reunited with Chris Trevino, oh. who was his coach before Lincoln Riley was ever his coach. Fair point, Chris. Sorry about that. They, they, you know, you're the one that probably made him a five-star, I would say. Like, Lincoln Riley just took the finished product that you provided. For those that don't know, I was actually one of Caleb Williams' swim coaches back out here in uh, <laughs> in Maryland back when he was a, a child. A young, upcoming football player. You could tell. Five-star talent right away. I, I mean, it's, arm strength was live that in the it, water. You could tell it's obvious. That's where his fluidity in the pocket comes from. He's silky smooth. Like he's going through the water. Obviously Ooh. comes from Chris Trevino. Very Thank nice. you. Thank you. Shotgun. A helium boy. Shout out right there. So we got a very exciting show for you guys today before we jump into everything. Cause obviously huge news. We've been waiting for a long time. Just want to thank our sponsor Trader Joe's. They've been with us for several years and we just love them going over to Trader Joe's. You like listening to this podcast. Trader Joe's has their own podcast. So it's my favorite store. If it's yours too, make sure you go to the TraderJoe's.com website. And if you click the little listen area, it's got this kind of old, uh, kind of old record player thing. Uh, it's pretty cool. Just the, the retro look there. 
Um, go check out. They have the latest episodes up. Uh, it's the 13th annual Trader Joe's Customer Choice Award. So I know we get a lot of information. People like say, hey, why don't they bring this back? Or this is my favorite thing at Trader Joe's. You can listen to this podcast where they actually talk about what some of those uh, those top picks are from all of you, everyone that goes and shops at Trader Joe's. Their quick listens are like 20 minutes or so long, but definitely worth it. They do every couple of weeks. They do an episode, but obviously go into Trader Joe's. Get your favorite stuff. I just had some of the gnocchi last night. It's a good little just eat by yourself, make it up real quick in a in a pan in like 10 minutes. So I love going there. I hope you guys do. But thanks again to Trader Joe's for being a great sponsor. And I do want to thank my guests again because this is uh, kind of crazy. We've been waiting for a very long time for this to happen. I went to the gym this morning, kind of come back, doing some things on the computer. I'm like, oh, I'll do a little bit of work and, and see what happens. And then all of a sudden I just see that USC football emoji, the fight on emoji. And we're like, oh. And so I'm like, all hands on deck. That's why I tweeted that one. And then we get Lincoln Riley soon after that. It's like, okay, really all hands on deck. You know, good jump on this thing. Uh, Pete Thamel ends up breaking the story. He got an interview with uh, the family and, and Caleb Williams. And USC had all of their social media stuff ready. We actually, uh, you know, we had our stories and all this stuff ready. We've been waiting for this for a really long time. But it happened quickly. We thought it would be maybe Friday because it was the last day to enroll. But according to Pete Thamel's story, he didn't uh, you know, register for classes on Friday. Going to start uh, in-person classes today at USC because they're back doing uh, in-person. And he'll be able to participate in the team workouts and, and spring football. But it happened, I'll start with you, Shaka. It happened really, happened really quickly. And uh, then it just all kind of came together. And then, no, you know, within a half an hour, we're in the studio here talking about it. Yeah, when you get the the first uh, emoji, you're like, okay, USC. You know, they're still looking at some different transfer portal options and stuff, but there's no big target that just came on a visit or anything. And then when you get the Lincoln Riley follow up, you're like, okay, this is the big one. This is it. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one Chris has been writing in his diary about in uh, in uh, <laughs> nineteen uh, or eighteen hundred lingo and whatnot and a great uh, tweet from Chris uh, after the announcement was finally made so it's kind of you know once you once my eyes were open and I see some of these things going on you're like this is this what's going to happen and we start preparing our plan but obviously huge news for USC to get another quarterback one for depth uh, and to get such a talented quarterback but obviously they were coming in uh, but, but going into the day with Miller Moss and then a sixth or seventh year senior actually in Mo Hassan um, and, you know, as the only two scholarship guys, and Mo Hassan was a former walk-on at USC, so needed to add some depth. They actually added a little bit of depth to the quarterback position earlier this week as well uh, with a, you know, with a preferred walk-on commitment. Now, that's not something you ever want to have, have to actually use for USC, but picking up a, a talented kid from Colorado as well. And now you get the big news with Caleb Williams. So your quarterback depth, your quarterback room goes from, you know, really a, a big concern because one injury changes the entire course of a season to now you have a little bit more depth and you have the most talented transfer on the market and bringing him in. So it's not just a depth play. It's also a super talented play as well there for USC. And the big thing for me looking at it uh, and looking at it from the outside is that everyone wants to play with Caleb Williams. So who's the next domino to fall? Because that's that's the immediate thing I start thinking about is like, okay, who else is USC going to be in the market for? Who's left in the transfer portal? And we know there's going to be another window of transfer portal action after spring practice, but will there be any more leading up uh, going forward? And, uh, you know, there are a lot of hints along the way, but uh, it's finally over for USC fans. They can actually breathe. I know there's been a lot of people that have been either hyperventilating or just holding their breath for as long as they can, a lot of red faces. Uh, for at least three weeks now, three, four weeks, to see if this would actually happen. And it has happened. USC does nab the commitment and the sign signing of Caleb Williams. He's enrolled. He will be at spring practice, as are all the, uh, all the um, um, transfer commitments, I believe, will be in spring practice. From everything I've heard, everyone has been at the workouts. Everyone showed up on campus. So should have a full stock of spring enrollees here for from the transfer portal 13 guys right now chris any thoughts on the uh how it all happened this morning i i i don't know why i, I thought it'd be any different but i i forgot that going after shotgun is usually a bad idea because he just <laughs> <laughs> there was like so many good points it's like now i don't have any points to take 
But just the just the point on the timing, you you kind of felt that maybe something could be happening within the next forty eight hours, just because it was announced that Lincoln Riley would be speaking to the media on Wednesday, talking about obviously all the new pickups that USC had from the transfer portal, no new high school commits. I mean, possibly tomorrow with it being signing day or the old signing day. But you know, you have that you have that feeling that oh, you know, he's going to be in front of the media, he's going to get to talk about his players. Everyone wants to know about Caleb Williams. It just makes sense from a timing perspective that Caleb would go ahead and already uh, pull the trigger, join the class, in, get enrolled in school, and you know now Lincoln can talk about uh, Caleb on Wednesday as well all, as well as all the other transfers that they have picked up. And then you know going back to what uh, Shotgun said about Caleb Williams being just being an absolutely amazing recruiter when he was committed to that Oklahoma class um, coming out of Gonzaga High School. He was the Pied Piper of that class. Everyone wanted to play with him. He was hitting up everyone to, to make that class, you know, a top 10 class, a special class. Now, when USC still has some needs going, going, into, uh, going into spring football and then fall, um, you know, it's going to be easy for Caleb to, you know, to jump on a call, DM somebody, you know, get, they still need an, uh, a couple offensive linemen maybe. They still need some defensive line help. They still need some, some edge rush help. So it's going to be much easier for Caleb to get on the line with some of these guys and say, hey, come play with me. We're going to do something special this year and next year. So come be a part of this. Yeah, this was uh, obviously this took a long time. I mean, a month or so. And we've everyone just felt pretty confident that he was going to end up at USC. The report comes out about Wisconsin, which just didn't really make a ton of sense. Like, you know, the Russell Wilson thing worked a while back, but this is not a dynamic passing offense. This is not a, you know, they're not putting a bunch of, quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, you know, the UCLA thing didn't make a whole lot of sense. DTR already came back, you know, with the SEC teams, you know, yet Georgia gets their quarterback coming back and Ole Miss picks up Jackson Dart. It just, it just seemed like this was all pointing towards USC, but why wasn't it happening? And the fans were going a little crazy, which I get it. I mean, we were talking about in this podcast, every time you're doing a podcast, like, yeah, by the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be announced. And it never was. And it was like weeks of that. Uh, but you know, if, if, I think any of us would have said, if you had to put money on it, you would say Caleb Williams to USC. They were going to do it in their own way. Um, you know, they do, like Chris mentioned, you know, the, the the real, the old signing day is on Wednesday, and we're going to hear from Lincoln Riley. There's probably not going to be a lot to talk about outside of the transfer. So it did make some sense that, okay, this would be announced. And maybe announcing it on Friday when he did register wasn't going to get, you know, the news cycle. I thought maybe yesterday, like when, you know, things come back after all of the NFL games, but they end up doing it on Tuesday, the day before. We're going to hear from Lincoln Riley on Wednesday. We're going to hear from all the assistant coaches on Thursday. So I think USC sort of building up some momentum going into this. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know, Shotgun, if you felt like this was if there was any pro, any issue that you know he might end up somewhere else. I kind of felt confident he would be end up at USC, but I just never know until it's announced. Yeah, exactly. You never know until it's official, and you know we we heard a lot of people. Yes, we expect Caleb Williams to sign with USC. Yes, we expect USC to get Caleb Williams. But no confirmations. This is a done deal. This is what's going to happen. It was a lot of speculating and a lot of people just assuming that's what's going to happen, just as, as we were as well. It's what made sense. You know, of all the options and looking at it. Now, we'll say about Wisconsin. Wisconsin was one was a little bit intriguing. Uh, I believe, Chris, you said before we even started recording that, uh, that Caleb Williams was born in Wisconsin. But the, the interesting thing about them is obviously he has a, has a relationship, I think, with Russell Wilson. Obviously, they have that track record with him. But they have an established head coach versus any of the other teams that he was looking at uh, uh, seriously outside of UCLA, which I didn't think that was a real option anyways. But, you know, looking at um, Oklahoma, looking at USC, um, looking at you know some of the teams that he was looking at, they had an established uh, head, head coach rather than a guy in their first year. LSU was another school that was thrown in there. You know, there would be no drama there because he's coming in. You know, it's not the same as coming to USC. You got all the US, the the Oklahoma fans upset. There'd be less pressure. He's got a good offensive line. You know, they're not, you know, expected to to throw the ball. So they have a great run game already. And they have that track record with the transfer QB and Russell Wilson. So I, I think that that was an interesting one. But the entire time, it just felt like everything still points to USC. It just makes more sense for USC. I know a lot of people were upset with the quote-unquote drama of Caleb Williams uh, on our message boards. Obviously, on the P, has been blowing up. You know, some people have just given up on the whole situation. And I kept trying to remind people, he's not causing any of this drama. 
everyone's freaking out and it, you know having these expectations because everything looks like it should be pointing to USC, but when it wasn't a done deal, everyone was freaking out a little bit. Um, I, I thought it was interesting, the timing of it. We thought a couple different times when it could have happened. Um, and I'm curious what Chris's thoughts on this one question are. Same to you, Ryan. But what was your uh, you know your favorite fan fiction? How you would have had this announced? Um, because you, you you know when they when they said that uh, that Lincoln Riley was going to you know speak on Wednesday on uh, signing day, I said in our thread that, that we have together is like it, it would be a baller moment if they just don't announce anything and then Lincoln Riley does his opening <laughs> and just brings up Caleb Williams after the opening and it's kind of like just the hush goes over the crowd type thing as you got a live stream going oh who is you know or it's a WWE moment. Uh, my God, that, that's Caleb Williams. He's coming from the back. Whatever it may be. Um, but that's Caleb Williams music. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, what was your guys' favorite fan fiction theory of, of when Caleb Williams would announce or how it would be announced? Because we had some crazy ones on the P, uh, whether it be at the NFC Championship at halftime. They were, Caleb Williams is going to make an announcement at halftime of the, of the Rams uh, 49ers game. I'm like, that's not going to happen. What was your guys' favorite? Well, me personally, what I would have done outside of my three-hour play that I would have created, I would have just—I would have just literally done it at like the time no one was paying attention, like four a.m. on a Tuesday morning. I would just posted my commitment and just gone to bed. I would have just done it at a peak at a time when no one was really paying attention, no one was really expecting it. Done it, posted on my Instagram, gone to bed. See what see what the morning brings. Um, but in terms of fan favorites, there's a lot of them. But I think actually. The one you mentioned, the NFC Championship game, would have been the one is, is like the craziest one that I would have enjoyed to see, and just because it goes back to him, you know, causing a tizzy when he posted that he was at an LA Rams game earlier the season or earlier in uh, last month. I think that would have been a nice little full circle, like he was the ball boy or something, and he just happened to be wearing uh. a USC shirt or something under his thing. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was cool that the video they put out with, uh, you know, you have Snoop Dogg, you got Will Ferrell. But why go to NFC Championship game? The Super Bowl is going to be here in a couple of weeks. Let him be secretly in class. You know, he could be Zooming. Oh, that's just I mean, so much. Yeah, he Zooms for two weeks in class. There's no announcer. Like, what's going on here? And then just like Super Bowl halftime when all this stuff's going on. It's like Caleb Williams. You know, like it, it's probably not much bigger than that. You could do, oh, yeah, Lakers are playing tomorrow night. Maybe you could have done it then on signing day. You know, But yeah, I think Super Bowl would have been a good one. I mean, that's, that's as big time as it gets. And there are some <laughs> USC connections there. Obviously, Snoop Dogg, a big USC fan. And, uh, and Dr. Dre has the, you know, is a, a part of the USC family as well. Both of them will be performing at halftime if they just brought up Kayla Williams with their arms around him and they reveal some USC gear. I mean, if we're going big, you got to go big. And, you know, you could have went with that. But, you no, know, Kayla Williams makes the announcement today. Uh, a nice video done. And I know, uh, I, I, I believe the... Uh, Nadmin, the new um, video director for USC, our creative content director, who's been helping out with some of the videos and different things there, talked about Brandon Sosna being involved, Caleb Williams pulling some of the USC clips himself. So, you know, shows that he has done his research on USC a little bit as well. The uh, Chris has been doing a great job updating the USC turnover tracker. And by the way, if you guys haven't, uh, if you're not subscribed, you're a VIP member, we have a 60% off thing for annual membership right now. You have to get on there and do it. It's so cheap. You get tons of information, and it's going to be an amazing year going forward. So make sure you go sign up. If you're not VIP on uscfootball.com, you got to do it now. But Chris's turnover tracker, he's been keeping track of this, additions and departures, and it's up to 33 people that have left the program, uh, You know, including 17 transfers out, You know, nine players that declared for the NFL draft, and seven uh, graduated without any eligibility left. Um, there were eight, eight high school signees. Probably won't be any more tomorrow, but we'll see if there's uh, uh, one or two more. But 13 now transfer pickups coming in. And I don't know if the recruiting rankings have been updated yet, Chris, but USC likely was the number one spot. Old Miss took over when they got Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg. With Caleb Williams, the number one player in the transfer portal, USC will likely jump back up uh, to that number one spot. But it wasn't just about numbers i mean if you look at the roster like i think you mentioned this earlier shotgun we'll get chris your, your thoughts first um you know you had miller moss the redshirt freshman quarterback and you had mohassan the redshirt senior who was the transfer in and the former walk-on uh there wasn't just a whole lot in between there and they needed to get somebody out of the portal obviously you'd love to get caleb williams but if you didn't get him there had to be some sort of 
backup plan. And because it was this late of a date, you weren't going to get anyone that could participate in spring football. So uh, it, this is a big one just from number standpoint. But having someone on the depth chart, you needed another quarterback. Yeah, I wrote about last week sort of the top five positional needs USC still needed to address before you know going into the 2022 season. And quarterback was number one on my list. I mean, just from like a media headline standpoint, obviously there was a lot of attention given to the to the quarterback spot for USC, given that Jackson Dart was gone, Keaton Slovis is gone. And just from a number standpoint, like you said, you only had two scholarship quarterbacks. I mean, in theory, USC could have tried to go into the season with just two scholarship quarterbacks, but that's, as I wrote, that's tempting fate, and fate usually always wins in that scenario. Yes. <laughs> as you saw in the last game of the season, I mean, USC was literally down to one quarterback uh, after Jackson Dart got hurt. I mean, who was going to step in if Miller Moss had gone down against that Cal game? I have no idea. That was something we talked about in the press box show. It's always good to have at least three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Um, right now, USC, great position with, with the quarterback room they have and the quarterback depth. But even so, I still think they might have to bring in someone down the line. We, we never know what's going to happen in a couple of weeks after spring football. You know, Miller Moss, you know, he might, you know, he's a talented young freshman quarterback. He might be looking at his options, you know, now that Caleb's in the, in, on the team now. You know, I think, the, I think it's no, no secret that everyone is expecting Caleb Williams to start in 2022. Even if, you know, you can say all the things that, you know, there's going to be an open competition. It's going to go, I'm sure it's going to go through that like that, but no one is doubting that Caleb Williams is not going to be the number, the number one guy going into the season opener. You know, he has already the, the, the connection with Lincoln Riley. He, he has a head start on this offense. He's already an established player at the college football level. You know, he's a top five Heisman contender going to next season. I don't think it, if you're if you're telling yourself it's going to be, you know, possible that Miller Moss is going to start next year. You know, I think you're kind of lying to yourself because I think everyone is just looking at what's what's on the wall. And that's Caleb Williams is going to be the starter. So that could that could be uh, an indication that, you know, Miller Moss, maybe he's looking elsewhere in a couple months. And then USC still needs to address having another quarterback, scholarship quarterback on the roster. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I talked with a source about Miller Moss and this potential conversation of if Caleb Williams does commit. And I was told that, that Miller Moss is going to go through the spring and will we'll, you know, be in the offense and learn the offense and see where he's at after the spring and then see where he goes from there. I believe he's not too far away from being able to finish his degree uh, after maybe next season. Maybe he could be done in December. I know he was a, a, a ahead of the curve, at least coming in because of the pandemic. He had more time to work on the uh, his academic side and was able to get some extra classes out of the way. So maybe he sticks around, finishes up his degree. Obviously, he's a kid that grew up a USC fan, wants that degree. So that might be the case. And then maybe USC is looking for another quarterback again. Uh, but you're going to have to backfill a little bit as well. Well, um, the, as, as you go forward, and maybe that means you got to get two quarterbacks in a class going up, or maybe that means you have to take another quarterback in the transfer portal that understands, hey, you know, maybe it's a kid that left Southern California, went to play somewhere else, it didn't work out, but he understands, hey, I'm going to come back, I'm going to be expected to be a backup, and if my opportunity comes, hey, that that that's fine with it, but I'm coming back to just to be at home and to to um, be at USC and try to get a degree from there rather than expecting to come in and, and uh, compete for the starting position. All right. Well, why don't we? Uh, I know we got a lot of questions. If there's anything else, I can we can take a quick break and come back and do questions. Unless there's anything else you guys wanted to address before we do that. Sounds good. All right, let's uh, back in a minute, and uh, this is our emergency peristyle podcast talking about Caleb Williams, number one player in the NCAA transfer portal, former Oklahoma quarterback reunited with Chris Trevino and Lincoln Riley at USC. Back in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I'm Ryan Abraham, joined by Shotgun Spratling and Chris Trevino. Just a little going forward. I, you know, we, we definitely miss Keely Yor in situations like this. We love having her on. Um, Shotgun's on the East Coast, but it's going to be 
coming up with his own. Uh, do you know what kind of podcast you're going to be doing, uh, Shotgun, from your uh, abode there? We're still working on it. Chris and I are crafting things, how he's going to have his potential own podcast. You know, maybe I, I can get the, the Heard It on the Sidelines podcast back up and running. Uh, yeah. Trying to to figure out all the the various dynamics and uh, you know just the logistics of it as well uh, as we go forth in our our new family uh, as we've kicked Keely out of the family she's <laughs> she's left us so we uh, you know as she's on the way out the door we're like well no you're fired you're fired I quit no you're fired you're out of here she's out of the family so uh, now we're we're trying to figure out things as we go forward. Yeah, and then Chris Trevino and I will be doing one. So I, Chris's uh, amazing humor will be jumping on uh, with uh, take it over for the kid. We had the me and Dan, and the me and Dan and Keely, the me and Keely, and now it's you know going to be me and Chris uh, going for. Are you excited for that one, Chris? I have no idea how it's going to go. <laughs> I have no idea how our personalities will work or clash in this this new format because I'm a little bit zany. You have some zany energy too. I I we we I see it in you when you're on the live show and you're getting going. Yeah. So I I, I don't know how that's gonna that's gonna it's gonna work. Shotgun and Keely would rein me in sometimes. I don't know what's gonna happen if we both have the same kind of energy and we're just going off the rails. I don't know. We'd spiral out of control and yeah, then, uh, we're know. we're gonna work Gerard Martinez into these two. Um, the plan is tonight we're gonna you know so if you're listening to this on Tuesday. In the emergency, we're doing it in the morning, but we're going to try to do a live show tonight of uh, some format. So we'll see if we can get Gerard on that one as well to kind of talk about this Caleb Williams news. But um, Shaka, why don't we jump into the questions we got? Sure. I mean, you know, I've been trying to field these as they come in. So a couple of these things we've answered a little bit already. We'll try to, you know, continue to to add a little bit more spice to it as we go. D. White starts with it. With the way the transfer portal is, how can we get QB depth with Caleb Williams taking over as a starter? We're two injuries away from running a Wildcat offense. And uh, as Chris knows, the the uh, the example that I often bring up, the Maryland from 2012 or whatever year <laughs> it was. I just got over that. <laughs> I mean, how many how many quarterbacks did they go through that year? I think it was four or five. We were starting a linebacker, man. I don't. I feel like it was at least five. It just like knee after knee after knee, and then one foot. It was just <laughs> just brutal. The worst luck you've ever seen any quarterback room ever ever happen upon them. Yeah. Yeah. So you see several. You can see teams go through several years in a row without a quarterback, uh, you know, being injured. But you can also see a spate of injuries, uh, like USC has had some in the past, in the last couple of years, and like Maryland had that season. So uh, there is definitely a concern that we're the QB depth and this was something I said at the very beginning when USC hired Lincoln Riley and there were talks about Caleb Williams even entering the transfer portal is how the quarterback room looked afterwards and you're playing a dangerous game there and then the question becomes and, and Ryan maybe you can answer this is what becomes of the offense do you try to then curtail Caleb Williams taking off and running um, you know, obviously, when Jackson Dart had his knee injury this past year, USC, when he came back from that injury, was not using him in the read option game. Uh, there, you know, he was limited in what he was doing out of the side of the pocket. So, does that change with the depth that USC has? That'll be something we have to watch going forward, too. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen Lincoln Riley really try to protect his guys as much. I mean, they, you know, you usually have a couple of good options, like you had Spencer Rattler and you had uh, Caleb Williams this last year at, at Oklahoma. But I feel like. It's not just those are the scholarship quarterbacks, but, you know, you usually bring on a, a walk on or two that, you know, played somewhere that actually were a good football player at some point. Um, and I think you can kind of go there. I think what that Maryland year, you were gone through all those guys and more. Um, so, yeah, I I think it's one of those things where USC has been doing this for a few years. We only and with transfers coming out, it's hard to have four or five scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. You got three, and you know one's a veteran, one's a, the the young freshman that you could rely on who's already played, and of course one's the superstar, Caleb Williams. You should be okay. They just I forget the name. They just picked up a, a preferred walk on quarterback as well. So you know you'll have like four or five guys, and you should be okay. If you if you go a run like you had in Maryland like you know ten years ago or whatever it was, that's that's going to be hard to avoid no matter what. Keegan yeah. Patterson, just yeah, exactly. As Chris said, Keegan Patterson, a uh, from Longmont High School in Colorado, preferred walk on, ton of ton of stats this year in Colorado for them. So we'll see, uh, maybe uh, maybe not in spring, maybe in the, the fall, we'll see what he can add to the that room. And don't forget they have Brendan Costello who went to Oklahoma State and has come back to USC. Now he's a you know smaller quarterback. 
He's a guy that maybe you can do some different things with if you have to get down to him. Uh, they've got some other options there as well. And you can always run wildcat stuff with the athletes that USC is going to have to, you know, maybe try to blend in some different things. Um, if you get down to a, a one quarterback or something like that, to try to alleviate some of the pressure off a quarterback. So that, that'll be interesting, though. It's, it's always going to be a concern. And I think, Ryan, you made a good point. With the new transfer rules, high-end quarterbacks aren't sticking around anymore. It's something like almost 70% of guys in the last four years that were four- or five-star guys have transferred at some point. So, you know, and maybe USC can backfill with a guy like a Shane Illingworth from Oklahoma State as well. Someone like that who is from the Southern California area, has left, uh, and has entered the transfer portal at a different school. That would be something to keep an eye on as well. I think that's where maybe USC could add somebody. We had a couple of questions asking, was Caleb Williams waiting to see where Keeley landed before committing? Uh, with, with Keeley joining <laughs> USC full-time, was that a deciding factor in Caleb picking the Trojans? So John Sachs and Michael uh, Belzel asked those questions. You guys think Keeley played into this? I, I think that's a fair point. You know, everyone, all the national talking heads were talking about Jackson Dart and Caleb Williams were watching each other. We never thought about Keeley. That, that, that's the final piece of this puzzle. He was absolutely waiting. That's funny. Um, to be to take this to a serious note, which I know you probably don't want to do, Chris, but for the for Keeley, the timing of it was really kind of strange. We thought, you know, her last day was last Wednesday uh, for USCfootball.com. We thought, well, maybe there'll be some breaking news before that, before she goes. Then she had like the weekend off, and I think she started on Monday there. I had one national reporter that I talked to because, you know, I've talked to a lot of these guys and no one really seemed to know much of what was going on. He he theorized like, well, maybe they were waiting for Keeley to come on board and that would be like her first big story or something. Like, you know, they could have broke it themselves. Now, you know, Pete Thamel ended up uh, breaking it and, you know, there's, I'm sure, some coordination there. But I thought, yeah, maybe this was going to be Keeley's first sort of big story. But she seems to be, you know, kind of slowly getting her feet wet over there. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought Keeley could have played a role in this, which would have been kind of interesting. Also a good fan theory. Yeah, it's a good fan theory. Yeah, there's there's plenty of them out there, which is the fun part of it. <laughs> uh, so uh, there was a question. Uh, get back to the, the, my document here, bouncing around on different tabs. But Todd Pierce want to know where's the college football playoff at this year, so I can get my tickets now. What are your thoughts on the potential of USC making the college football playoff? I mean, you don't bring Caleb Williams in to to try to win the Pac-12 South. You got bigger aspirations when you're bringing in a guy like Caleb Williams and the other players they have brought in from the Travis Dye, Austin Jones, Mario Williams. That offense is going to have some playmakers. They've got some work to do in some other areas. But what are your guys' expectations for USC going forward? I mean, I brought this up on the last family. Sorry, I'm tearing up. <laughs> the last podcast, take it or leave it, Caleb Williams comes to USC. USC is a dark horse playoff contender next season. I believe you, uh, Shotgun, you took it. I believe you took that. Um, but I, I would absolutely take that because, you know, it, this isn't the, the Big 12. This isn't the SEC. This is the Pac-12. You know, I think Caleb Williams and this offense is going to be able to run through the schedule they have this coming up this this season. You know, there's some tough games, a couple, but it's not a murderer's row. They can get through this. They can, they can get through this with a uh, undefeated record. It's going to be tough, but they can do it, especially now that Caleb is on board. They still need some pieces. You can't really lock it down, really, to say, you know, dark horse playoff contender until they get some key pieces. I still think they need at least one interior offensive lineman a guy who can come in and start right away or at least be that six man. I, I would go for two offensive linemen just to get some extra depth. They still need some pass rushing help on the defensive line. You know, they recently just or, uh, offered the Gabriel, Gabriel and Grayson, uh, the twins, Murphy, I believe. They have some impressive stats at North Texas. Those would be two huge additions for the pass rush. They both had close to 20 tackles for a loss combined, like 10 sacks together. That'd be a big upgrade for the for the pass rushing. And then I still think they need some linebacker help. You get some some of those pieces moving forward. Yeah, I think absolutely mark them down. Dark horse playoff contender, because if they run through the Pac-12, they're going to be in, in the discussion. They're going to get the, the headlines for it. And look, looking at that schedule, the college football playoff semifinals next season will be at the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona and the Peach Bowl in Georgia. The national championship game, SoFi Stadium. 
So oh. could we see the Rams oh. in it one year and USC in it next year? I mean, that's a lot to ask and a lot to to put a lot of expectations on one quarterback. But Ryan, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I think um, I mean I, I agree with what Chris is saying. It's the the Pac-12 is not a murderer's row. It's not going to be as difficult. I think what we're seeing. The upgrading of the roster has happened quickly. And, I, you know, guys that we like, like Bruce Feldman and other national pundits are talking about, hey, USC was 4-8. and eight. That roster is pretty bad compared to where it was before. And he's not wrong. The pro- the, Not the problem, but the issue now being it usually would take a couple years to turn over a roster like this. And you're already seeing 30, what is it, 31 players gone, uh, you know, from the, from the roster right now. 33 players gone and 21 have been added. And 13 of them are guys that have played college football already, and they're transferring in. You're going to be able to go into spring football with a much better roster than what you had at the end of last year. You're going to be able to evaluate what you have, including a, a star quarterback, which you know kind of makes everything go. And like Shotgun said, or, or Chris said, you know, be the Pied Piper. You get out of spring football, there's probably going to be a few more guys that just get shedded from the roster that just they're not going to be playing and. You can pick up uh, a few more guys and, and bring them in. So I feel like I get it. The, the national pundits that are talking about USC's roster just you know pump the brakes a little bit. They're not wrong, but I feel like you can turn this over pretty quickly. The offensive line is better than I think some people are going to think because of the veterans that have come back and bringing in Bobby Haskins. Maybe you bring uh, another one. Uh, you, you, you bring another guy in. Um, and then you know the, some of the defensive line helps. Some of the linebacker help. They've already brought in two linebackers from the SEC. Um, you got some defensive linemen from the big 12. I feel like you can, you know, upgrade that a little bit more after spring football and really be in a position like Utah looks like the best team. I think Oregon's still going to be good, but this is a team. If, if USC wins the pac 12 and they're 11 and one or something, you're probably going to be in the playoffs. And, uh, would USC be like deserving where they'd be one of the best four teams in the country? Probably not, but the path to get there, I think is legitimate. So yeah, I think they could be a dark horse if things fall the right way. Uh, I don't think they're going to be a competitor with like the Ohio States and the, the Georgias and the, the Alabamas of the world for a couple of years because like that 2023 class, you're going to bring in a lot of five-star players in another class like that. Then I think you're building the roster, you know, more, the quote-unquote right way. So, I, yeah, I think they can get there, but I think things, some things are going to have to break the right way. Yeah, let's pump the brakes just a little bit. Uh, one yeah. quarterback doesn't change everything. Obviously, USC has had great quarterbacks uh, through the years. That hasn't necessarily always translated into national championships. Calvin asked the same question. So since Caleb Williams, uh, what are the odds of USC playing for the national championship? Let's just hold off on that. Let's wait a little bit and see how the roster develops before we go into making any odds. Now, we have a, a couple of different questions about the roster. Um, so I'm going to kind of combine those. How's our offensive and defensive line looking? Uh, can we rebuild the defense through the portal? You know, what are what are your expectations for the rest of this recruiting cycle as they turn over the roster even more? I mean, obviously, it's been a whole overhaul already, and we're seeing, uh, you know, that, that they're trying to get their type of guys in, and that was one of the things I thought was interesting with what uh, Lincoln Riley said when we talked to him in December is that. We're not going to go out and get guys that we don't already have a relationship with that we didn't, you know, we could go out and try to grab people, but we want to make sure we're getting the right guys. And part of it is also getting rid of the wrong guys on the roster. So I thought that was really interesting. Where do you see the roster at right now? How much more turnover does this roster need before it becomes that competitive? Maybe is there one specific position that you're looking at them to, to still upgrade heavily? Right, just, just for me, I think it's up front in that that defensive line, that defensive front, you know, getting pressure off the edge. I think that's right now is kind of the biggest hole for me. I mean, you bring in, you you lose Drake Jackson, you lose even the depth behind him in Hunter Eccles and Giuliano Falanico. There's your three, one, two, and three of your, you know, your your that hybrid edge rusher B backer spot, which so Alex Grinch's defense sort of uses a similar position, a hybrid defensive end. So you need bodies there. I mean, you get Romello Height, uh, Shotgun. You can talk more about him, but you know he still isn't an experienced guy. You know he he's still a young guy. Had a shoulder injury his, his, his freshman year. He, he it's not like he's coming in with you know 15 sacks to his name. I mean, even though he's coming from the SEC, I mean, there's a chance you know he was playing up in the SEC, comes to the Pac-12, and is just like this is so much easier. He just starts eating. There's a chance that happens, but he's still a young, unproven 
commodity in that sense. So I still think they need more pass rushing. They still need some more defensive line help. They have some good pieces. You know, they have Thule, uh Pillow too. They have Nick Figueroa. You know, they have Corey Foreman. There's some good names in there. You know, hopefully you get a healthy Brandon Peely back. Those are some good names. Those are a good foundation, but you still need a couple more pieces. You know, Earl Barquette, Tyrone Taleni, those are names they brought in. They're still they're young guys too. They're not as proven as some other guys. I still think you need a, a marquee name. Not like a marquee name, but someone who has who has done stuff at the college level already, who has played a full season as a starter. You need a guy like that. A guy who can come in and be an, you know there's gonna be an instant impact player. Yeah, and before we get to you, Ryan, and give your thoughts on which position you're looking at. Uh, to Romello Height, uh, a guy that screams off the edge, and you know a guy that the other Auburn uh, defensive linemen, pass rushers, say is going to be special. He had a, a number of pressures last year. Had a, you know the best pressure rate would have been the best pressure rate on USC's roster with the ability to get to quarterback. Did not have any sacks though. So that's obviously that's a step in the progression that a pass rusher has to be able to di- get at the college level. Is okay, you can get to the quarterback now. Can you get the quarterback on the ground? So he's a guy. Can he make that jump from his first serious year playing? Because he only played a, a tiny bit in 2020 because of that shoulder injury. Can he make that jump from last season to next season? Same thing with Corey Foreman. I think he's a guy that could be in line for a big jump if he puts in the offseason work, uh, especially after missing the 2020 senior season uh, for him in high school. But the, I think you're right right there that the, they could potentially add another piece or two, and that, maybe that's where Caleb Williams and his – allure and the attraction around him um, helps USC it, it maybe one of those recruiting battles for a big boy yeah and I would say for me the focus is going to be on the defensive side of the ball uh, you know we talk about the there's I think the offensive line will be fine um, you know they've they really upgraded the running back room um, I think you know bringing in Mario Williams there's some receivers on the roster that you like and I think they're going to work in Lincoln Riley system they got some good tight ends obviously you got Caleb Williams now and Lincoln Riley's running the show. I don't think you're going to be worried too much about the offensive side. Me, it's more on the defense. You know, what's going on with the the linebackers? You talk about the edge rushers, uh, someone that go across of Corey Foreman. You know, there have been some questions about Alex Grinch. I like what he was able to do at Washington State, Ohio State. And, and you know, it's it's tough when your team's scoring 50 points a game to, to keep uh, opposing offenses down all the time. But I feel like that's going to be where some of these key issues are addressed because the roster that USC had, Gave up a lot of explosive plays. There was, it, if you look at some of the advanced stats, and some people have been tweeting them out lately. And yeah, USC was ranked bottom of the Pac-12 in a lot of aspects of that. So it's a defense that definitely needs to get a lot better. So I think that's where you know more on the, the defensive line, linebacker side is where I'm looking for some improvement. But a lot of it's going to be scheme and stuff too. I just feel like you know when Todd Orlando came in, they're just they didn't have that spring football. They didn't really have time to prepare. Um, and there was so much turmoil with, uh, you know, with Clay Helton getting fired and all that. I don't know if they really had a fair shot, but they weren't statistically very good in a lot of aspects. I feel like that's something that Alex Grinch is going to have to uh, improve on significantly. And we're going to get to talk to him and, and the other assistant coaches, and they might have some insight into what's going to do uh, on Thursday. So I'm looking forward to all that. But to me, it's definitely going to be on the defensive side of the ball where they have to improve uh, dramatically. Yeah, I think it's on the defensive side, just like you guys talked about. The linebacker, middle linebacker position is one I'm very interested in. Do they still try to add another piece there? You get Shane Lee from Alabama, uh, who was a freshman All-American three years ago, but has you know wasn't in the mix the last two seasons as much, had a couple of nicks and, and, and bruises. Uh, so is there a compliment to his playing style? Is it already on the roster? Do you still have to go out and get somebody? I think that's a big uh, area of concern. Uh, Chris, Ryan talked about rankings. I believe we have a rankings update, mid-show update. Ooh. Yeah, The unfortunately, the overall and the transfer rankings sometimes are a little slower, and you can't really calculate them as easily as the high school rankings. But they made a special uh, uh, update for us just because, you know, the number one transfer uh, prospect went ahead and committed. So USC officially takes back the number one transfer spot uh, a position they held over LSU, and then it got taken away by Ole Miss after they picked up former Trojans Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg. But USC is back up there. They have about a three-point lead in the points for the transfer rankings. And then USC has moved into the top 10 in the overall transfer rankings, which factors in both high school and your transfer class. They enter the day at number 12. They are now number nine in the nation, and that is number one in the Pac-12. So 
heck of a job by Lincoln Riley and the staff so far. I mean, and then overall for the high school rankings, number 65. But USC has a top 10 class and a number one class. So, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty crazy. I did uh, Sirius XM uh, satellite radio this morning for the SEC talking about Lane Kiffin and Old Miss and all that. And, uh, you know, Lane has definitely been all in on the transfer portal. Um, you know, we'll see where USC goes going forward. I don't feel like this is something you're going to want to do every year. I think this is more of a transition year and you would love to have a, you know, a class obviously bigger than eight high school players coming in. So I feel like that's where USC is going to be, um, going forward. And then, you know, with, with the, the battle with Ole Miss, I don't think it matters all that much, but the number one ranking in the PAC 12, they've upgraded their roster more than anyone else in the conference. And I think that's something that absolutely uh, needed to happen. And, and it is. And I think that's why they're going to be, you know, competing and maybe even favoring the PAC 12 South. Utah brings a lot of guys back. They're going to add some guys from the portal, a lot of stability there. That's gonna be tough to overcome, especially USC plays at Utah this season. But, this is going to be a much different Trojan team than we saw in 2021 for sure. A top 10 class. USC entered <laughs> in, in the middle of December, the early signing period. As USC entered the day in the early signing period, they were number 104 in the nation for their class. Now, you obviously, 24-7 sports, we made an, uh, an adjustment to the rankings and added in transfer that was long overdue with the way the transfer portal has been working. But now a top 10 class, that's just crazy to me to go from 104 to top 10. That just shows you the work this recruiting staff has been putting in, uh, both at the high school level and the transfer portal in, in particular. And I think you're seeing the seeds that are being sown for the 2023-2024 classes as well. They had the junior day, the elite prospect day over the weekend, had a ton of high-level recruits there as well, both locally and from some out of state. So that'll be interesting to see how that class I think you'll see that USC doesn't try to attack at the transfer portal in the same regard going forward because they will have a more established roster and be able to recruit uh, better in the 2024, uh, 2023 class than they were the 2022 class coming in with a couple weeks to try to finish out that recruiting class before that early signing period started. SC No Remorse had a question uh, to, to talk about the positions of need. He said, isn't the O-line a cornerstone of Riley's offense? You think about the, the GT pulls and everything there. And if so, why doesn't it seem like there's been that much emphasis on that in recruiting? So USC's offensive line, I think they the, the first thing that they emphasized in recruiting was Andrew Voorhees and getting him to come back. And then you add Brett Nealon, him coming back. So now you go from it being a major concern, and that was a big concern for me uh, going into when Lincoln Riley was hired is, where could this offensive line be? Because I didn't feel like that there were six or seven guys after that that you would feel confident in uh, throwing in the mix. But getting Andrew Voorhees back, getting Brett, your center back, Brett Elon, who'll be able to help with all the calls, do everything, I think that's huge for them. You also have Cortland Ford. I was told uh, recently he's a guy that's really stepped forward in a leadership role in the locker room so far in the, uh, in the offseason workouts. I think that's a positive there. You got John, Jonah Monheim. I think both of those guys are due to, to make a big step forward if they put in the work, and both those guys, it sounds like, are doing that. So I think you feel confident with four or five guys there. Justin Dietrich as well as a guy who got a lot of playing time in the, at the end of the season. He's going to be in the mix. Now you add in Bobby Haskins. They did get a, a transfer there. And I, I think that's the, the where you feel comfortable with the with the progress they made there. Now, would they like to add another piece or two? I'm sure they would. And there's a couple of high school offensive linemen still on the board. Now, it doesn't sound like USC USC will be in the mix for Dave Iuli. He will have a USC hat on the table, but doesn't sound like that's necessarily leaning towards USC's way right now. As they, you enter the um, the national signing day. Devin Campbell, I thought maybe USC could make up some ground when he pushed back his commitment. Doesn't sound like that was necessarily the case. Uh, as far as the, the latest that we've heard on him, still seems to be down to Oklahoma and Texas. But there is a big five-star uh, high school player still on the board for USC and Josh Connerly. And it sounds like USC will get – they'll get one of his final two visits. I think they'll get his final visit in March. Um, and he's not going to announce tomorrow – He's going to be waiting until March to, to make his announcement. He's going to take a couple more official visits that he hasn't got a chance to take. So that's a huge one for USC because I think he can come in, and especially with the depth they have right now at tackle, uh, which is 
kind of crazy thing to say with where USC's been a couple, the last couple of seasons, but the depth they have at tackle, you can bring him in and play him a couple of series and get him, uh, you know, kind of build him up as he goes, as the season goes along, and maybe eventually he takes over a, a starting position. But that's a big one that USC is definitely still uh, targeting there. But that's why I don't think you've seen as much emphasis on the offensive line is because they they were able to to recruit their own roster a little bit to help that one out. Yeah. Um, I just want to jump in there quickly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And if you don't think Caleb Williams doesn't help with Josh Connolly, you're you're crazy. Because that's obviously, you know, he could DM him right now and say, hey, you coming this year? You know, they they recently started following following each other on Instagram. And I know people have made a big deal about that the last couple of weeks. But if you're thinking Caleb can't help, he can absolutely help in that regard. And yeah, what Shotgun said, if you can get Josh Connerly, that's sort of like the gem on your high school class. And then maybe pick up an interior offensive lineman because some of the recent uh, transfer offensive linemen they've offered have been interior guys. Osiris Torrance uh, out of Louisiana. He went on to his uh, his former coach at Louisiana, Billy Napier. He committed to Florida. But the most recent one is Chris. I cannot pronounce his name. I don't even want to try. Uh, Nigerian kid out of Tennessee, six foot three, 300 pound offensive guard. You know, that's the kind of guy they're looking for, an interior guy. So if you get Connerly, and then maybe snatch up an interior uh, interior offensive lineman. They might have to wait a little bit. They might have to wait until after spring when that new uh, flood of uh, transfers comes out from across the country. Because good good offensive linemen in the portal are snatched up real quick. They're not out there long. You know, they're like that super popular girl in high school when they <laughs> when they break up with their boyfriend. Everybody knows about it, and everyone's asking her out. That's that's yeah. how it goes. Like, there's no there's not not a lot of space in between. You you gotta you gotta act quickly for a transfer, uh, a talented transfer offensive lineman. So those guys go quick, same with defensive line. So they might have to be a little bit more patient and kind of wait until after the spring when you see uh, another wave of uh, transfers come out. Yeah, there's not a lot of waiting in between. There's not a lot of overlap when uh, the prom queen is is uh, going to be single. There's rumors are going along, and that's Josh Connerly for sure. I mean, got to see him in Hawaii. It just looks the part for sure. Everyone was gushing over him. And, you know, USC has to wait a little while, but – that would be a nice cherry on top of this recruiting class if you get, you know, if you only get nine guys, but the the last few guys you get are like five star players. Eh, that's that's pretty good. And for you know your original point shotgun, as far as like when you see there were players that could leave on this roster that were good at certain spots, a lot of them left. You know, like the, the Drake Jackson of the world or Drake London. I mean, you know, the star players there. USC had a couple kind of star players on that offensive line and they decided to stick around. I think that's the really the most important aspect of it. I think it's a different story if you have to really rebuild the offensive line. It might not be exactly where you want it to be, but you got guys coming back. I mean, Voorhees has, Voorhees has like, what, 25,000 snaps in college? I mean, some like ridiculous amount. Uh, so it helps. And you can you can bring in a transfer or two. You already got in one that's you know very likely could end up starting at left tackle, but it's going to be a starter somewhere for you. And Maybe after the spring you evaluate and you're like, oh, I like what we have. Maybe we need another depth, uh, another tackle for depth or something. And, and there'll be players entering after spring football. We saw Jay Toya do it last year and end up going over to UCLA. Um, you'll see some players leave uh, from USC. It's not going to be just the 33 that have left as of now. There'll be, so, there'll be a couple more. But USC will add some more players as well. I'm not anticipating anything really until like May. At this point, this was probably the last uh, you know, domino to fall and the transfers in just because USC's academic calendar has already started. But I feel like just having those guys come back, that was not something we've seen from, you know, kind of key positions across the the roster. We didn't see the guys that like, could go stay, see most of them stay. On the offensive line, they did. I think that helped. Yeah, and especially there were a couple of those guys that we actually have been hearing were likely to move on, Andrew Voorhees being one of them. So I think getting him back, his versatility at guard or tackle gives you that extra added ability to move guys around if you need to. He's shown he can excel at either one of them. And like Ryan talked about, the experience. He has so much experience, over 3,000 snaps. Uh, he's going to be closing in, I think, on 4,000 potentially by the end of his career. Or maybe it's 3,000. He's got a ton of snaps, so uh, way more than anyone else normally would have. But because of the extra COVID year, he'll be up there. Uh, the one thing that Chris mentioned is when you're talking about how quickly offensive linemen are snatched up out of the transfer portal, 
You know who's been able to snatch some offensive linemen up in the last couple of years? Lincoln Riley. You know, Oklahoma has done a really good job the last couple of seasons of being able to pick some of those high-value tar- high targets out of the transfer portal on the offensive line. So don't be surprised if he can land one as well to help booster that. And you can add some more depth there. That just adds that competition level and pushes guys a little bit more, and that's what you're looking for is to have that constant competition all the time which hasn't necessarily been the case at USC as much as the coaches have wanted it to be. Yeah. Shotgun, this is a a project for you really quickly. I need you to find out the NCAA record for most starts, and I need to know if Andrew Voorhees is going to break that. (laughs) I I don't think he'll break that because uh, you had the Oklahoma State cornerback who had started for four years who just transferred, I believe, to LSU – so, you know, with the, in the current era where you're getting 13, 14 games a year sometimes, I think he's got to beat a little bit. Remember, Andrew Voorhees did have the injury that, that set him back um, in 2019. I um, mean, in, in his freshman year, he was thrown in the mix but didn't start the first couple games at least. So I don't think he'll actually get to that record. But it, I think he'll set the USC record. I think that will that will actually happen. All right. Talking about next year, and you know Andrew Voorhees will be a big part of that. Is how uh, uh, Ryan Stevens wants to know how many points is USC going to drop on Rice next season? I mean, I remember when uh, Graham Harrell came in, and there was all this talk about fifty points and all this stuff. I've heard USC's talked about offense when Steve Sarkeesian came in. I think his first game they played Fresno State, and they ran like a hundred plays, and they talked about yeah, that's what it's going to be. We're going to be running hundred plays a game or whatever. And they ran like 53 plays the next week against Stanford. Just wasn't the case. <laughs> the, the the scoring didn't happen with with uh, uh, Graham Harrell. They just weren't putting up that. They weren't putting up big points. They got yards. They got the empty calories. They weren't putting up points. I think this is going to be an offense that puts up points. I would be shocked if there's not a 50 burger put on Rice to be the opener. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the the like floor for me is 50. I think they can get. I think they can get 60. Rice was not good or has not been good. So I think I think I'm gonna go ahead and say sixty. I think we'll get the sixty point total in there somewhere. Hey, you wanna make a statement at the beginning of the season, the beginning of your tenure. You know, you, you saw that with Steve Sarkeesian. I believe it was uh Arkansas State or Idaho that they played early in the season. You wanna make that early statement. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, they run it up a little bit there and put up a seventy pointer. We'll see. Wow. Derek wanted to know, my question is, what is he waiting on? What was he waiting on, Kayla Williams? What Was it some sort of playing time guarantee or all NIL money deal? How does that affect the rest of the roster, the fact that he waited until this point, maybe then rather earlier in the transfer cycle? I think it's a great question. I mean, we don't know exactly why. There's, It's definitely a lot of talk about business decisions throughout the process, name, image, and likeness, being able to – uh, make it at the NFL, the next level and all of that. We've heard a lot of that going on. And, you know, there was a lot of hype. He was the story in college football for the last month. And every podcast you'd listen to, um, you listen to the audible, you listen to, you know, Andy Staples, whoever we you know, the, uh, you know, Dan Wetzel, like they're all talking about Caleb Williams each and every episode. So his name was out there. This has got him a lot of attention. It's probably, um, you know, I know some USC fans and some other fans weren't really happy about it, but if you're trying to help your own brand, I think this hasn't done anything but helped. And, uh, you know, going forward, if he has a big year, I mean, I think he's someone that could set himself up for life. So I, right or wrong, I think this is more about a business decision from the family. That's my take on it. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, it just felt like everything we had heard is that Carl and Caleb Williams and that family was were going to take their time with this process. They weren't going to feel rushed. And that was, and, you know, he's Caleb Williams. He's the number one prospect in the transfer portal he is a five-star caliber talent He is a heisman caliber talent that's the kind of guys you know that can take their own time make the decision on on their clock you know they don't need to be rushed by anyone they can slow down the process as long as they want did it hurt with you know their class or whatever no because we're still kind of talking about usc being a potential dark horse playoff contender next year i think they're in a really good spot and they still have time to address needs over the next coming next few months Last couple questions, uh, you know, arrogant USC UM fan season at OGMO underscore 98. Any chance this quickly swings the recruitment of Dave Iuli or any others in favor of USC tomorrow and any other information names on transfers to follow? Uh, and 
top three snipes. Cool story. DJH uh, also said, how does this impact tomorrow for Lincoln Riley? Do you guys see a bump uh, in a 24 hour bump uh, for USC? I, I think that's a hard sell when, you know, when you want to have to be able to sell that on campus and USC chose to have their junior day rather than bringing in any guys for official visits over the weekend, uh, at least that we've been told of. So uh, do you see a, a, a last minute bump for anybody for USC? I think that's tough. That's a tough ask. This is a long process. And, you know, will the coaching staff send out a few of those like googly eye emojis? Like, Oh, look what <laughs> we just did. Um, yeah, they'll probably do that. And, you know, I think those are more of a Hail Mary kind of thing. This is a longer process, and um, I feel it's going to be really good for the class of 2023, which is already spectacular, and I think it's going to be like that going forward. It was going to be a tough ask to turn this 2022 recruiting class around. The fact that they were able to bring in some of the guys they already did, uh, I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, the most impressive part, though, is the transfer portal stuff. So I, I don't think it's going to have a last-minute effect. I don't know what you think, Chris. Yeah, I mean, that's that's tough to say. And I feel like, you know, there's possibly like if you're recruiting, like, let's just say Dave Iuli for a second here, that you don't think that they would have been like sort of hinting at Caleb coming already. True. You know, you, that's something you, you probably were kind of hinting at and kind of selling on the low, you know, to these guys. I'm sure they're doing it with Josh Connerly. I'm sure they were doing it with uh, Uli. Um, you're, you know, you do have a fear of that kind of leaking. But if you're like, slick about it you could have been like hey we got we got a name coming so I, I think some of that was going on so I, I think they're they've already were trying to use that bump so I don't really know if that that's going to make a big difference Uli seems pretty pretty uh pretty pretty locked in you know with all the crystal balls on him going to Miami and I don't yeah it's it's really early because it just happened but I haven't really heard anything about maybe another high school signee coming tomorrow no, we want to know Caleb Williams' question. How big is Caleb an adjustment for other Pac-12 schools, the defenses USC will face, uh, facing USC? USC had to adjust when Oregon had Jeremiah Masoli, that line of running quarterbacks. Lincoln likes his dual-threat quarterbacks. This is a change for USC. Who is more used to the traditional style of quarterbacks? So how big of adjustment do you see for the Pac-12 schools? I think immediately it is a big adjustment, just a new offense. You see that a lot of times that first year offenses are going to be ahead of the defenses that are trying to defend them. And maybe you saw that a little bit, the Big 12 catching up with Lincoln Riley's offense a little bit the last couple of years. But I think partially that was the quarterback play as well. So where do you think the Pac-12 schools will be in defending USC this year? I think uh, we, we saw two years ago when Graham Harrell first came in, it had a big impact. Like they were putting up some points and just having something new is is something you have to adjust to. And we've seen some air raid kind of stuff uh, at Washington State, but it was this was an adjustment. I think this is going to be an offense that we really haven't seen the kind of uniqueness of uh, what Lincoln Riley does in the Pac-12. And it's going to be paired with some really good athletes and guys like, you know, a guy like Caleb Williams. So I think it's definitely going to be uh, an adjustment. The, the question is going to be, can it last? I, I think people kind of figured out how to stop USC and their talent level went down and the the scheme sort of wasn't really overcoming any of that. For Lincoln Riley, I think that the talent level is going to stay or, or grow. And I think the, the scheme is going to be superior where they're able to, if someone makes an adjustment like dropping eight guys in the box, they can do something to combat that where USC really seemed to have struggles when that thing happened. So I think that year one, you're going to see it. The question is going to be, does it keep happening in year two and three? And I think it, I think it will. And as far as the drop eight stuff, you know, you, Lincoln Riley does like to have a dynamic running game to go with his 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 passing attack, and he does have some dynamic running backs uh, on the roster right now. Um, and another thing is that you know, while Pac-12 defenses might have a learning curve into catching up to this offense, Lincoln is known for you know building his offense to what personnel players he has and kind of changing it and tinkering with it so even if you know Pac-12 defense do start catching up you know he'll he'll always be changing it and adding new things and new wrinkles and getting this this player the ball more whatever and the final question that we got uh, was from Dodgers fan 559 he said how can we help Norman Oklahoma with flash flood warnings from all the Sooners tears oh oh I don't know I tried not to address <laughs> any Oklahoma fans because you, you feel bad. Like it's a it's a bad breakup, right? Um, it happens though, and 
the ironic thing is just, you know, Oklahoma left the Big 12 at the altar and just, you know, stab, you know on their way to the SEC. They've taken transfers numerous times, won Heisman trophies with them. It just didn't seem to be, it's sort of like you're, you're, you can insult a bunch of people, but if someone says something to you, you don't really take it very well. Uh, if, you, if you're able to dish it out, you got to be able to take it. And I think that's just not what's been happening. There's a lot of great Oklahoma fans, and I think some of them have reached out and said, yeah, I don't know why people are being like this. But we're starting to see some of the Oklahoma uh, you know, leaders on Twitter talking about things like, hey, it's time to move on. It's time to let this go. We knew that this was going to be a tough one, like when Caleb Williams leaves. And you see some of the message board posts that you know already floating around about, you know, he was terrible anyway and all this kind of stuff. It's just, to me, it's just not a good look. It's it, This isn't a good look. You've got a great coach. you got Brent Venables. you got, there's a lot of, you know, promise. And you're going to be going to the SEC. Like, there, things are on the up for Oklahoma. You sort of got to let, you know, the one guy go. He's a young coach. He was there for five years. Moving on, you know. You got your your legendary coach to come back for the bowl game. I think there's a lot of positive things happening in Oklahoma. But, man, if all you're doing is focusing on the negative, it just, I don't think you allow that to happen. So, if I'm Brett Venables, I don't want to see my fan base just complaining about the coach that left. It's like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> I've been trying to I've, – I've waited this long to become a head coach. I am now the head coach of Oklahoma. Like, be excited about me. Don't be pissed that the guy before me left. Like, yeah, be pissed in the beginning. But, holy cow, you got to let this go. And they just – they haven't at this point. So, I, I feel bad because I know that's not all the Oklahoma fans. But those are the ones you're hearing from. You know, Oklahoma seems – you know, maybe it goes through some, like, droughts – the landscape, so maybe the flash floods will be good for for the landscape. <laughs> for the no. crops and stuff. Yeah, you know, California deals with droughts too, and we 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 encourage the rain to come, you know, to help and stuff. So maybe that'll be that case with with Oklahoma. And do we think they will amend that with that that what is it, like a two that two meter stretch the where they added the uh, the Lincoln oh. Riley highway? I don't know what it's like three feet or something. Do you think they will amend it to add Caleb Williams, like the Lincoln Riley Caleb Williams uh, highway stretch? Oh, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know how long it was. It was like three feet or something like that. I don't think it was even that long. I think it was like six inches. It was super short uh, on the way out of the state of Oklahoma. The crazy thing, Chris, you mentioned uh, uh, the weather and, you know, the crazy thing about climate change is I didn't realize that the Dead Sea is actually in Oklahoma now oh, because uh-oh. it's so salty. Oh, there. you didn't. Uh... I did. Oh, I did, uh, Chris. Did yeah, so salty, so salty. But you know that—that's crazy how the tides change, and you know, uh, suddenly there's a sea in the middle of of the country. But that's the case. Uh, uh, that's all the questions we got, and I've actually got to wrap it up. Got to get to some other stuff as we continue to to bring all this content for for Caleb Williams coming to USC and what it means going forward. Yeah, well, thanks uh, guys for coming on in short notice. Um, you know, hopefully we will get you guys in person again soon. We'll uh, have some sort of uh, live show tonight on Tuesday night um, for our Tunnel Vision show. It'll be the first one without Keeley in a while. And we might have had one, but I'll be running the show, so that'll be a little interesting. But we'll uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. But for Chris Trevino and Shotgun Spraling, I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to this emergency edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 